Broadcasting from high atop a national monument in Rapid City, South Dakota, it is the Mount Rushmore Podcast. Woohoo! I am your host, Jeff, and I am joined as always by my good friends, Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael, they like to debate and deliberate the most ubiquitous of any given topic, and this week I have chosen the topic, and that topic is the Mount Rushmore of Italy. My wife, my wife and I are planning a trip to Italy this summer. And oh, really? Yes. Fun. I'm so excited about it, and I have no requisites or prerequisites or... She's doing all the planning, and she's been there twice before, maybe three times, and... Um, Anything I do will be so Italian that I don't even care what we do. It's just, I want to eat spaghetti. You want to get on a Vespa? I want to get on a Vespa. Get that Vespa on a Lambretta. <laughs> That's right. All I don't even know what you're talking about. I think these are scooters. Um, and I'm reading, but I'm reading all the travel books and things like that. I really, ha- we could just go to an Olive Garden for five days. I wouldn't know the difference. Have you gone to like BuzzFeed's, like, Top 50 ways to hold up the Leaning Tower of Pisa. <laughs> I'm excited about doing that. Oh, my God. So, uh, yes. Oh, what, what, what does Retro Batman going to do? <laughs> Is he going to save that tower from falling down? Is this one of Riddler's tricks? <laughs> uh, but, you know, those, those and doing some reading about ancient Rome and doing all that kind of stuff has been really interesting and compelling. And then my wife was also uh, one-quarter Italian, uh, which increases based on her proximity to a meatball. So if she's next to a meatball, then she's 150% Italian. Um, so Italy has always been a culture I'm attracted to, So, um, but I don't really know anything about it. Um, but I wanted to engage and challenge you guys with the Mount Rushmore of Italy. Is it Italy or Italians? Italians. Italians. Okay. Sorry, it's Italians. Italians are very uh, distinguished uh, people. And um, Richard, you are going first because you're the most Italian person in this room, and I want to know, just by a nod or a shake of the head, are there any suggestions that aren't Ninja Turtles? All right. Okay. Well, I mean, you know. All right. All right. We'll go on into it. Okay. Ninja Turtle by proxy. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, Richard, as the reigning Italian, um, buongiorno. Buongiorno. Um, so my first choice is Leonardo da Vinci. Also on my list. Oh. Also on my list. Good. In the fourth position on my list. You got to tell us how to do the points for that. Say it's it. two points. No, it would still be two points. Two points. For okay. both of us, right? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> do it. L- little do to it. no idea, but yeah, absolutely. Dopio. It's a dopio. Okay, why Leonardo? Other than... A, a true renaissance, man. True. Yeah. Honk, honk, honk. Yeah. Get it. <laughs> Um, I, 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 I just wanted someone who captured the spirit of the Renaissance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when I think Renaissance, I think Da Vinci. Yeah. I think the, the, the era of these people who were, you know, just polymaths and could do multiple things incredibly yeah. well. Um, my favorite version yeah. of Leonardo is like young Leonardo when he just wore like leather jackets and linen shirts up to his navel. <laughs> it was just like kind of swarthy. I like that, Leonardo. Are you thinking of the Renaissance Festival, Leonardo? Oh, never mind. <laughs> different. I'm thinking of a different Leonardo I met at a Renaissance Festival. Okay. He was well, showing me how to do something with a wooden sword. <laughs> some grog. Uh, Yikes. Uh, so the man was... Do you believe that due to the era being a place where so much 
um, so much was yet to be discovered in terms of all these different scientists that were burgeoning. Like there, there was a lot of knowledge that had existed previously, but we were kind of um, relearning all of this, and there was a rebirth of of knowledge and interest in science. Do you think he, like a guy like Benjamin Franklin, was at the intersection of opportunity and um, his abilities, or do you think, like I, I, I think of him as just an extraordinary, brilliant person who would have found he would be Stephen Hawking if he was alive today in in all different ways. I like the way you put it. I think like brilliant, but also like right place, right time. Like he was. Yeah, I think it's both. Yeah, really, but. I mean, you put him a hundred years earlier. Would he? Would there have been that hundred years extra of learning to go yeah. into it that would have birthed this person, or that would have he would have had these same ideas? Maybe in a certain sense, would he have pushed the Renaissance up a little? I yeah, who knows? Yeah, one of the ways I've heard genius described is in uh, the context of an individual who can draw from one observation suppositions about how another thing works. So if uh, Leonardo would draw studies of dissected plants and the, the, the ways pollen or sap goes from inside of a, a tree branch and then draw suppositions about the vascular system of the human body based on that and then prove them to be mostly true. So I find that amazing curiosity that he had and the ability to have a hunch um, based on... No, that's a different... That's, that's, Col- a different, <laughs> that's Columbo is who you're thinking of. <laughs> Just one more thing. I was, th- uh, I was thinking of the... Yeah, the, the Victor Hugo. The Victor. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, I think, is this... There, he wasn't only polymath then. There were a lot of people who were great at multiple art forms and things like that. But, right. but yeah, I think he, he is very representative of the, the rebirth of and interest in science and learning and art and all that stuff, but also his ability to uh, draw one, draw from one into the other. Yeah. Draws one, draws one hell of a horse. <laughs> Guys, I'm he's, so, good, he's a good horse drawer too. I'm sorry. I feel like I just farted all over. No, your, your I, think, I, think, so. I think you ended up speaking no. for both of us better than either <laughs> of us. Okay. Ever, exactly. ever, really I, good. It was like, if you could do that, for the rest of the episode. It's going to be a short 13 and a half minute episode. Okay. Awesome. Well, I'm sorry. I don't mean to fall, you're, you're, fall all over that. You're beating yourself up okay. for, for <laughs> okay. just expressing thoughts okay. Flu- okay. fluidly and okay. cleverly. Don't all worry right. about it. Uh, right. I think Leonardo too is just, you know, he's, is he more famous for being an inventor or for being an artist or for being just a catch-all Renaissance man? I mean, his, uh, the Salvador Mundi painting of his sold recently for $430 million. What? And (laughs) (laughs) a text to rejoin's comic character (laughs) appeared. Um, And that is just, it's just an outstanding acknowledgement of the person's fame and importance within the world from just putting a monetary value on it. Yeah. It's just like, oh, he is recognized by the world at large as being the most important artist. Yeah. Very, and that's a very interesting, like art is one of those subjective things that it's value only as much as someone is willing to put a value on it. Mm -hmm. And the fact that this one individual in, you know, 
900 years later. When was uh, 1300s? Uh, 1500. 1452 to 1519. So 500, he died 500 years ago this year. That is... R.I.P., bro. Yeah. <laughs> I still feel pour, it. Pour, pour one out for Leonardo. What did he drink? Just wine. Right. All the time from dawn to lust. I think it's amazing, too, the amount of scientific discovery he was able to do and not run afoul of a pope at any point. So it seems like right. all those guys were discovering, when it came to observations of the celestial uh Things, things, things that were close to where God lived up in the sky. Yeah, popes that, got mad all the time. Yeah, that's when the popes be getting mad. So, so good for you, Leonardo. And he wasn't even. He was from Vinci. His name wasn't Da Vinci. He's named after the code. Yeah, I believe the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, yeah. Leonardo di Ser Piero da Vinci. Ah, I don't know what di Ser Piero means. Uh, You're going to Italy. Yeah, you tell us. Off. I'll figure it out. We're going to send you with a list of like, notes. <laughs> Find out what this means. Where does Chef Boyardee live? <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, Richard chose Leonardo. It was one of Michael's picks and one of mine as well, but Michael will pick his second one. Marco. Ding, 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 ding. Marco who? That's the first one on Jeff Marco. Hopkins' list. Anybody? Polo. Yay! <laughs> I love, is that the biggest injustice in the world? This amazing navigator <laughs> this, this we celebrate by getting lost in the a, pool. A, a pool game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was reading about Marco Polo, and a lot of his work, you know, we talked about just Leonardo's work was built on everyone that came before him to a certain extent and him rediscovering. Uh, Marco Polo, too, uh, his dad and his uncles were all famous oh, explorers. Right? Yeah. And oh, yeah. when he was, seven, was trying to find Genghis Khan or, or uh, Kublai, Khan. Kublai Khan. And then um, when he was 17, he went off with his dad. Oh. And they explored for 24 years and then came back and he was thrown in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so it's like if your dad had a ready rooter truck and you just have a ready rooter truck, but people celebrate you for it? Uh, Marco Polo was most famous for if he had, if he had a ready <laughs> roto truck. Uh, you actually, he told, he wrote down everything on the invoice. He, he mentioned, he wrote oh, down yeah. everything that happened. Oh, okay, he okay. was not only a famous explorer, but he documented yeah. the explorations like no one ever really did. People kind of went out from Europe and Italy to China and to the Mongol Empire. Uh, and then they came back and they traded goods and stuff. But he kind of wrote out and was like, this is what we actually did. He's the one said they got this stuff called uh, noodles over He's there. He's got the receipts. <laughs> we He's... should bring it to Italy and call it spaghetti. <laughs> he was the Hunter S. Thompson yeah. of his <laughs> the Gonzo journalist. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, Richard, was that on your list? No, it was not. Okay. 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 All right. Uh, so, Richard, your second choice is what? My second choice is the big fella, the big guy. Oh, big beardy. Big old McBeardy face. Beardy McBeardy face? Mr. Luciano Pavarotti. Oh, yay. Cool. Um, <laughs> A.K.A. Beardy McBeardy face. Beardy McBeardy M- face. Well, McBeardy face, that makes me think that he's like Irish or like Scottish. McBeardy? McBeardy, that would have been the McBeardy, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it would be Mac. D-Beardy. Yeah. He's uh, D-Beardy. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, Why'd you pick this guy? Perhaps. Other the, than you've got a big beard. The, you, the, we do kind of... We have similar shaped heads. You just you know, football sh- shape. Just, just powerful stature. That's and true. A operatic voice. Your voice is so pretty when you sing. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that, Jeff. Um, 
I chose him because I think I wanted a representative of this great Italian art form. Yeah. Opera. Um, and Pavarotti. When I think of opera, I just think, yeah, that's, I think pretty much anyone of our generation, that's like literally probably the first thing that pops in their head other than that Bugs Bunny episode, uh, cartoon where he's at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, sure. That one's great. Yeah. So let's, be, let's spend the next 20 minutes talking, talking about, about that. <laughs> about, about that one. Um, was he the greatest tenor of all time? I don't know. I don't know anything. He needed, he needed two other tenors to really make it big, though. Right. <laughs> He's a third of a, of a great tenor. What was... He was also a film actor. <laughs> In a very bad movie. Like Placido Flamingo didn't do romantic comedies, did he? Like, he wasn't... He didn't try. Okay. You know, right. what I mean? you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Domingo didn't try. I mean, I guess Pavarotti tried and failed. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever... I know there was a recently a How Did This Get Made episode on uh, Yes, Giorgio. Yeah, yeah. And it is... I remember watching it, like, years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, it was on HBO or something. It was a El Stinko. Yeah. You know what? Opera isn't something that you just kind of try at a whim. Acting, you can... Be like, okay, I'm a famous singer. I'm a famous op- opera singer. Right. Yeah. I'll give acting a try. No one, no one does the reverse. You have to be someone that ha- has the pipes, has spent their time learning. Like your daughter almost has gone to uh, opera, opera camp, right? Yes. Um, you have to work at opera. No one's just like, uh, what are we going to do now? Opera? Yeah. Do a little opera today? Okay. I can jump mm-hmm. in opera. Yeah, just do. Yeah, yeah. But I was thinking either rap or opera. Hmm, which one should I go with? I think also those their form of performance is the most, maybe the most athletic, uh, other than say dance. But you have to project enough volume to fill out those those houses because you, until recently, I don't think they've had amplification. So you're performing a role. You're doing this physical feat, which is pretty outstanding, and you're doing it in three or four different languages, right? He's some of them Italian, yeah, German, sure. and sometimes French. there's a wascally wabbit that's just trying to get yeah. up in your face. I would also say that the fact that he was even considered for a romantic comedy and he projected this romantic image, this masculine romantic image, showed his skills as an actor because the dude is ugly. Yes, I mean yeah. he, it, it. It is a matter of charisma, yeah. versus looks, mm-hmm. and certainly that was kind of my point. You know, you can argue whether or not he was the you know musically the greatest tenor of all time, yeah. Um, but I don't think there's much of a question who is the most charismatic mm-hmm. tenor, certainly of his time, yeah. Um, and yeah, to your point, it, it, you know it's. He's the one that they chose to make this, try to make a romantic lead. Yeah. You know, whether or not that obviously it didn't work, but just, and also he, I, I also chose him because I think he is the perfect example of the artistic diva. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's very much a, uh, a common thing within opera. I yeah. I wanted to make sure that that was recognized. You know, he was somebody who had the ludicrous backstage demands and, mm-hmm. I will not have any of these blue M&M's. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Dom DeLuise could have um, 
could have been him uh, in a you know in a biopic maybe yeah. back in the day. We've really missed out on the opportunity. Just looking, we? just looking at a picture of the two together, and uh, oh, a picture of them together. Yeah, you know, he could pull it off. Yeah, I bet he sure. could pull off the. For sure. You know, you just do a backing vocal. Or is that is that Paul Prudhomme? Are we sure? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so we are at our halftime, I believe. Oh, thankfully. And uh, at this point, uh, we want you to do us a favor and download, rate, and review past episodes. And then you can do that on Stitcher. You can do that on iHeartRadio. You can do that on iTunes. So the whole review part is really helpful to us because whatever you write goes into that kind of search cloud and might help other people find this podcast if they are of like mind as you. There's also the opportunity to help shape the show and suggest future episodes by joining us out on social media. You can go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can comment and uh, get in the dialogue with us on what you think of previous episodes, choices that we made that you didn't like, or future topics. People who've done that in the past have ended up being on the show. It's not a must. You don't have to, but you could. And supporting podcasts in general is great, and you probably do it already, but if you don't know about this one coming up that we're going about to book promo for, you like it. Hi, I'm Tyler. And I'm Brian. And we're starting a new music-focused podcast called The Discographers. For our first 10-part series, we'll focus on Trent Reznor and his band Nine Inch Nails. We will explore the personal story of his career and look at his music on a technical level. Check us out on Twitter, at DiscographerPod, for details. And we're back. Guys, um, I have to confess, I brought a president with me. Actually, he's not a president. He's a prime minister. Hey, hello, everyone. Churchill? Hello, everyone. It's me, uh, Silvio Berlusconi. How are you doing? I am the largest media conglomerate owner of all these different things. And I want to say you're welcome for inventing the idea of your next president, Donald Trump. That's right. If I can be a successful businessman who engages prostitute every time I go to sleep and who has fake hair... That is how Donald Trump got this idea. Three times I am prime minister. How do you say Italy. thank? How do you say thank you in Italian? Grazie. Grazie. De nada. <laughs> okay, guys, I'm back. Hey, it's Jeff. Jeff. What's we been had happening? That, we had a very international, you know. Oh, like a uh, McKinley or something like that. Yeah. Like a president. Yeah, yeah. Huh? It was McKinley. Oh, okay. He was a he was a great guy. <laughs> Michael, what's your third choice? Enzo, Anselmo, Giuseppe, Maria, Ferrari. Whoa, cool. When I, <laughs> when I think of a more modern Italian person, you think of someone that's kind of brash, has a lot of confidence, kind of a certain area of fuck you-ness. And Ferrari certainly <laughs> was a, a confident, <laughs> brash, fuck you at all. Yeah. Uh, he was the living embodiment of one of his own quotes. If you can dream it, you can do it. I guess as long as you can afford a Ferrari. Right. Because <laughs> that's a very expensive car. Uh, he, it's funny looking back at old pictures of people in race cars from 
the 1910s and 20s and 30s, they just look cra- like it looks crazy. It looks like, yeah. what are you doing getting in this tin box driving as fast as you yeah. can? It's, they're all death traps. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. It looks like an iron lung in, with <laughs> wheels on it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> turn of the century, even past turn of the century, 1930s race car drivers, that looks like insane. I mean, maybe not as insane as whatever Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was. Right, and yeah. those, those types of cars, or but the wacky races. Mm-hmm. It seemed like, or like the little rascals, the, <laughs> yeah. the thing that they made out of orange crates, <laughs> slap some baby carriage wheels on it. Um, but he really took the idea of racing to a new level, especially racing and enraging competitors. He made enemies out of everyone that he kind of raced against. Oh. Uh, he started off with. Um, uh, I have it written down. He started off uh, racing for Fiat and Alfa Romero, and then he later broke off to do his to have his own race team in the 30s. And eventually, by the end of the 40s, he had his Ferrari race team and went on to um, really push uh, racing forward. I don't know a ton about racing in general, Richard. I know that you probably have are steeped a lot more in the sport of it. Sure. He didn't even want to apparently have road legal cars, but he needed the money for it. Right. Because, you know, it's expensive to race cars. Race cars. Oh, he wanted to make them up. He wanted to just do, he wanted to do his racing, but uh, it wasn't, it wasn't cost efficient enough. So he eventually had to start creating a Ferrari line of actual race cars. Oh, he didn't want to make cars. Yeah, he oh. just wanted to race cars on, under the under the team name of Ferrari or it's oh. called a. Uh, you can see how well we research these things. Scuderia Ferrari, mm-hmm. uh, and I just find that him as a person, as an antagonistic race car driver, it seems like they're all kind of arrogant. Maybe they're all a little arrogant. Maybe you yeah. have to be to get into something that drives 180 miles an hour. You kind of have to believe that you can cheat death, mm-hmm. so why not be able to cheat a lot of them? Yeah. Do you do you think that is I don't know, I kind of put him on there cuz that felt like a very Italian thing, but maybe that feels just very stereotypically Italian. I don't know, maybe it machismo it, is not a Dutch word. Yeah. You know, there's there's a certain something about the country that you know, invented democracy and then mm-hmm. went out to conquer the rest of the known world. Yeah. And then kind of came back upon itself and had to live within its own country and still have to project its own strength that way. But he seemed to have all of that in spades, um, you know, making enemies within the racing world of uh, Lamborghini. I guess Lamborghini. Joe, were, Joe Lamborghini. Jo- Joey, Joey, <laughs> Joey, Joe, Joe Lamborghini. I don't even know. Who is Lamborghini's? First name doesn't matter. Nope, nobody Lambo, cares. Lambo, Lamborghini. Um, I don't know. I just I thought he was an interesting modern day Italian character. Love it, character. Richard, what do you got? Okay, so my third choice is a Luigi. Whoa. Okay. No, uh, I'm sorry. I'm not. Uh, I didn't read all of it. Luigi Del Bianco. Oh, all right. And he was the chief carver of Mount Rushmore. Ah! Wow. Oh, this feels like a cheat. I love this. Okay. <laughs> So he was uh, basically the right-hand man for our man Gustav uh, Borglum. Um, and he was the person who was actually in charge of 
doing the chiseling. Is that right? Yeah. So his, you know, when you see what actually got carved, it was him and his men. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was in the lead person in charge of this. Oh, wow. And he was a, you know, he, here's a guy who was an, an, his family immigrated to the U.S. when he was like 17. You know, he came over, didn't have a degree, didn't have any sort of training. I mean, that's kind of a fun story that he gets all the way up to this point where he's literally putting yeah. this beloved national monument together. And, you know, I, I didn't want to put a, a, an Italian-American on here, but as someone who's the son of Italian-American immigrants, mm-hmm. I think telling that immigration story is kind of vital to telling the story of, of Italy in a lot of Wait, ways. Wait, so he was born in Italy? Yes. Okay, and yeah. And he immigrated to the U.S. Yeah. when he was Oh, so, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so he was an immigrant who got this opportunity to be able to do something mm-hmm. amazing. And I, I, I think that story is, is a cool story that should be, be told. Apparently he's only right now getting the recognition like by the National Park Service that, that his family feel like he probably deserved. Oh. Um, so he's starting to get this recognition for how, how important he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally there are a couple like uh, Lincoln's lip, had got a crack in it at one point, mm-hmm. and he had to go fill it in. <laughs> so he was like, you know, basically a uh, plastic surgeon to the stars, except oh. for really giant rock head <laughs> um, so It's just a fun story. Right on. I mean, the Mount Rushmore itself is not such an interesting thing to have to try to carve on such a large scale. I mean, back then, they didn't have like radios and headphones you couldn't just say like you couldn't just have some guy up there on there blasting away and someone three you know a two thousand feet away being like little little left (laughs) (laughs) you had to like you had to really figure that out and trying to understand the rock and to know how it was gonna blow apart and carve and (laughs) i know to the right up a up a hair i'm telling you from here it looks like a wiener not a nose I I know it's a nose. The, do you think that was the last time that uh, people from another country have made Americans look good without any thanks? Or do you think that's continued to this very day? Mm. Well. Mm. Welcome to the harsh reality <laughs> laying down some truths, blowing up your plastic world here at the Mount Rushmore podcast. Okay, uh, there was a similar choice made uh, by Ryan Love, friend of the podcast, friend of the podcast, um, with the name Luigi, but not enough similar. Okay, uh, what is your next choice, your last choice? Uh, my, last, my last one is very dear to my heart, very dear to my gut. Rafael Esposito, the, modern day, the father of modern day pizza. Oh, wow. Uh, this was the man who owned an uh, Italian tavern called... Esposito seems Puerto Rican. Seems like it. Okay. He owned what? Uh, a tavern called Pizzeria di Pietro e Basta Corsi. Oh. And you have to say it like that. <laughs> and if you don't... Sounds mobbed up to me. I if don't you don't know. say it like that, they come at you with that cutting tool. <laughs> Dominoes. Yep. No, you said it wrong! <laughs> Uh, he was a pizza maker in the city of Naples. He didn't 
invent pizza. Pizza kind of existed in a lot of forms before that, obviously, flatbreads and whatever. He was the one that was invited to meet, uh, to make pizza for Queen Margarita of Savoy ah. and um, King Umberto I. And he made a few different pizzas, three different attempts oh. at it, served all of them. Um, but he wanted to do something that was different than the very traditional peasanty, uh, a lot of garlic on top of a pizza. So he invented the margarita pizza, which had three colors of the Italian flag of white for mozzarella cheese, green for basil, and uh, red uh, tomato sauce or tomato. Wait, so he invented the worst pizza? Oh, you are out of your mind. The margarita pizza? It's great if you get a good one. I mean, you it know. It seems like the pizza, the palate cleanser pizza. If you've had pizza once already that week, then Crazy. you get the margarita pizza. This guy's, this guy's cuckoo. I know I'm losing myself points here, but <laughs> Jeff is off. <laughs> Jeff is not fit to serve oh, come as on. judge we of anything the anymore. The margarita we pizza. We the 25th <laughs> podcast amendment. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. How many? I think two-thirds need to, need to, to vote to get him kicked off of being a judge. It's Let's like see if you see he involved... He invented almond brittle or something like that's not the best brittle. <laughs> okay, all right. The point being is that he uh, made this pizza. It became very popular. She uh, enjoyed it, uh, and the word of it spread. He named it the Margarita Pizza after her, and the basically the modern pizza was born after that. Traveled across the country, traveled across the seas, and now we get to have pizza whenever we want, thanks to Mister Esposito. That's pretty great. That's pretty great. Richard, do you have Chef Boyardee? Because that would top that. <laughs> Let's see. Should know Chef Boyardee. Larry Lasagna? No Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> None of those. Okay. Well, what mis- is it? No to- Mr. Totino. <laughs> Mr. Totino. <laughs> My last choice is Sophia Loren. A stripper named Tira Misu. Oh, boy. Sophia Loren. Yes. Oh, my God. I almost went with that one. Yeah. Oh, God, um, she's so gorgeous. Still is. She's oh, still. Eight, and she's 85. And yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and, of course, internationally famous actress, sex symbol. Yeah. Uh, just general public figure. Mm-hmm. And what a public figure. Am I right? Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, but also a great actress. An Academy Award winner uh, for two women. Mm-hmm. And really the first, one of the first foreign film stars of that generation to break through. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than like Garbo and a few, yeah. you know, a few sort of, uh, and Garbo is germ or what was she? Swiss? So she, so I think of Sophia Loren as being a little bit more, she would have been an exotic character in another era right. of Hollywood. Right. Yeah. And then, and in fact, when kind of, she was first contracted, I think to Columbia, that's what she was playing. Mm-hmm. Was the, the exotic yeah. like femme fatale sort of thing. Um, but I just I just remembered Sophia Loren as being being a kid. She was more like a a, a concept than an actual yeah. female. Mm-hmm. Like I I didn't know exactly why she was famous. I knew it was like this attractive older lady. Yeah. And I could like, kind of get the caricature of those who always had like those big mm-hmm. gla- you know, sunglasses yeah. on. And so I, I, I could tell you what exactly what she looked like, what she sounded like. I couldn't tell you why she was famous. Mm-hmm. I just knew that she was. That's a certain level of fame. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know what you've been in, 
but everyone knows you. So you're saying you saw her like in her, she was already a little bit older and in her appearances, like at the Oscars on the red carpet, they would yes. say, Sophia Loren, and she would have those big Irving Swifty Lazar black yeah. glasses that Michael Caine and, <laughs> and uh, probably Albert Finney already had. So, uh, But we knew she was a movie star. Right. Yeah. And there was something, I think, about her that just projected that as well. Yeah. I had read that in... Grumpier old men or grumpy old men. One of those films. I think it's grumpier. Grumpier. That they kind of not the prequel. Gr- like <laughs> grumpy <endless>. young men, <laughs> miffed younger men, <laughs> slightly miffed younger men. That they had to add age makeup to her. Oh really? Yeah, they had to make her look older. Like that, she had been just still so radiant. Yeah, yeah. I was watching the uh, striptease scene from uh, uh, Ready to Wear mm-hmm. in prep for this. Yeah, and I was like. Wow, she must have been in her late 60s when she mm-hmm. did that. Holy cow. Yeah. She just hosted a thing for Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, did she? Yeah. Uh, like they, they chose her because she, I think she's friends with Julie Andrews or Rob Marshall or the director. She's friends with the director. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Okay. So we were fortunate enough to have some great choices from our competitors, but nothing as good as what Ryan Love, friend of the podcast, submitted. He suggested Michelangelo, not the artist. No, yes, the artist, not the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Uh, Art- Artemisa Gentilishi. Artemisia Gentilishi. Woof. Work on yeah. this before you jet off to Italy. He suggested Artemisia Gentileschi, a painter of Judith Slang Holofernes. Okay. Uh, Galileo. And- Galileo? Galileo Galilei. Okay, I know that one. Magnificent. Then. Usually when I say Galileo, somebody says it again in a higher pitched voice. Galileo. Galileo. Okay, all right, sorry. Thank you for indulging me. Okay, and tie between Mario and Luigi. That's cheating. Yeah, God. that's cheating. Yeah, I know. No, no, yeah, love, yeah. no love for Waluigi, who's yeah. clearly the best of all of them. <laughs> um, but uh, we're going to go... Uh, you each get two points for Leonardo, because that was also on Jeff Hopkins' um, list. And um, you, Michael, got Marco Polo, um, Luigi Del Bianco goes to Richard, and Sophia Loren um, is, sorry, is, yeah, Sophia Loren is that winner there. Um, Richard won that week nine to four. All right. Big Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, yeah. golly. Okay. He, he cleaned up on the back end. You had, had a good back nine, That's as good. they Get- say in the golfing terminology. <laughs> I guess I'm going to have coffee since it's for closers. I got I to gotta add a point for pizza, though. One more point. <laughs> it's just going to go in there. I'll take it. I'll take a point for pizza. Okay, this has been... Hashtag point for pizza. That sounds like a, <laughs> a movement you've um, This has been the Mount Rushmore of Italy. No, this has been the Mount Rushmore of Italians. Uh, ciao, Bella. I'm Jeff. I'm Richard. Arrivederci. 